You're listening to the Mazingo Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Mazingo. Um, Just a brief introduction on myself. I was a 15th round draft pick by the New York Mets in the 2003 MLB draft. And I was a 6th round pick by the Kansas City Royals in the 2006 MLB draft. Uh, I spent 6 seasons pitching professionally. And now I own Mazingo Baseball. And I am very excited to welcome y'all to the Mazingo Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. All right, welcome back to the Mazingo Baseball Podcast. We got a special guest on today's show, none other than Michael Richards, owner of Elite Athletic Performance in Benton, Arkansas. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Harold? I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, no problem. Good to have you on here. Hey, so uh, go ahead and give us a little bit of your background here. So my background is it's pretty unique. Uh, long story short, short story long. Uh, basically, I grew up here in Benton where I'm at now. Um, and the way I describe it is I, uh, I, I'm an old catcher and I basically went into uh, – got – when I got done with high school ball and all that, I screwed up all my opportunities to play college baseball. And I've been on a uh, mission ever since, I guess, to help guys not screw things up as badly as I did. So <clears throat> that's a pretty long story broken down into the most important parts there. So uh, and it just kind of some of the stuff that I uh, what I, I called Bush League ball that I played when I did screw up my chances to play collegiate baseball I ended up playing in some what I affectionately called bush league ball and some of the stuff that I saw there led me down the rabbit hole of where I'm at with pitchers and things like that and I I haven't crawled out of that rabbit hole it's been about 20 years so (laughs) (laughs) that's where we're at nice so tell us a little bit about how elite athletic performance better known as EAP came about so on paper I've been elite athletic performance for um, I guess about 12 years. Um, but there was a, a little period in time there. I took a little hiatus from coaching in about my mid twenties, which would have been about the middle of 2000s, like 2004, 2005 and figured out real quick that that wasn't going to be it for me. And, uh, I started back up and I ran into a guy that, uh, around here locally, he played for the university, which we don't have a professional team in Arkansas. So the University of Arkansas is everybody's professional team. And he played football there and held some receiving records. He's a pretty well-known guy. And, and he and I teamed up and we opened a performance training facility at that point in time, I believe in 2010 or 11. And uh, he was kind of the football guy and I was kind of the baseball guy and the weight room guy. And we just outgrew each other. And, uh, I moved over here and like I said, on pay, we advertised as his, the name he had for his business. So there for a little bit of time, I was I advertised as a different name, but on paper, I've been elite athletic performance ever since. But when I moved out from over there with his, he and I had a 12,000 square foot facility and we, I moved out and came over here where I'm at or right here close to where I'm at and began as elite athletic performance. And, uh, then, outgrew the building we were in there in 2016 and, and ended up in 2018 we built the building that we're in now which is actually on some family land right here in Tampa that I'm an only child so I didn't have to fight with anybody over it my dad owned a little bit of piece of property that's just sitting here 
I was told him like, Hey, I'm going to pay rent to somebody. So if you want to build something there and let me pay you, then we can do that. And he was, of course he was all over that. So, uh, yeah, you know, I invite him to take my rent money, but, uh, but it's right here. It's kind of cool because like I could throw a rock and hit the house that I grew up in and nice. there's about 30 acres down there that I'm going to end up putting a field on. And so it's, it's pretty cool. We'll have our own baseball field before long. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's some big plans there that, that, uh, if I can just put them in practice, I, I need a couple more of me to get all of it done. But anyways, <laughs> that's, uh, it's a good, pretty good setup. Yeah, no, cool, cool, cool. I got, I got a little bone to pick though. You said there was no professional team in Arkansas. Hey, there's, there's a pretty good double A baseball team there. I, I must say. Yeah, that's true. There are, <laughs> hey, there's two of. There's actually two of them. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there, there are two. Uh, only, only one of them I care about. <laughs> only one of them that you care about, though. Yeah, you're right. We actually, uh, we actually played on that field this uh, this summer. It was pretty sweet. Nice, uh, nice, nice. We uh, we so we played up there in that that uh, the Chad Wolf tournament. And they, uh, we everybody plays one at Bomb where the Razorbacks play, or they'll play over there. And that's uh, that's a nice place. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. All right, so let's dive into this stuff. So what what I want to do on this sort of season, if you will, of the uh, the podcast here is I, I want to focus things more on youth and amateur pitching development. Like that's sort of the big thing. Um, and one of the things that we have going on today, we live in the information age, right? Like you can prove, disprove just about anything you want to. And there's a lot of information to sift through for parents out there, right? Um and you also, it seems like every time we turn around, there's a, there's a new buzzword that gets thrown around or a new drill that it's taken over, right? Um, and we're just going to try to sift through some of that stuff. Oh, I want to start with just sort of asking you your thoughts on what do you feel is are, or are the biggest things for um, developing youth pitchers? Um, doesn't have to be anything related to pitching at all, just just start from the bare minimum and give us your way up, like a progression, if you will. I, that's that. I honestly like, you know, if you were to look at it from a lowest hanging fruit standpoint, which is kind of how I view things, you know, when you're talking about a youth pitcher, I mean, I'm thinking what, you know, even like 10, 11 years old, nine years old, whatever, you know, you've got to get the lowest hanging fruit first. And that's honestly where a lot of people kind of get ahead of themselves they start trying to get into lessons and, and all that stuff. And they don't eat, they don't understand that like that kid needs to touch a baseball every single day, you know, like that's, you know, and just, we say long toss, which is, can kind of create some muddy waters, you know, like, but depending on their age, but you know, like that kid just needs to pick up a baseball and throw it, you know, play catch and then kind of stretch it out into long toss every day, you know? And like, I think, you know, back in the early 2010, 14, 12-ish, 2012-ish, 2014-ish area right there, we we got so concerned with the arm injury epidemic, and I'm guilty of using that word too, which we, I don't take that word as lightly now that we have a real epidemic in the world, but, in a pandemic, but, uh, you know, the arm injury epidemic, everybody got scared to throw a baseball, and they look at kids' arms like bullets in a gun, and so it's almost like they're scared for them to go out and throw. And I, there's so many people come in here asking us for lessons. And I'm like, does the kid throw a ball every day? Does he throw it hard? Does he throw it at a target? You know, do you get out of his ear and stop talking to him every single throw? 
If not, then you don't need lessons. You need to do that, you know, and that is honestly, that is a huge foundation of where we start with our guys. If they get in our program, like our younger kids that are on our foundations program, uh, they don't have any arm care velocity, all this. I'm, I'll usually let them pick one thing that the bigger guys do and, you know, be like, okay, do that for your arm care. And then they throw to the net, you know, uh, about 20 or 30 times when they get done with their strength work. And that's their pitching program. <laughs> and we'll let them get on the mound and throw to command mat, you know, once or twice a week. And that's it. And we don't, when we leave them alone, you know, like if we see something glaring, obviously that's easy to fix with their mechanics we might get in there but like telling them any type of long drawn out details about body movement and things like that when they're 10 years 11 12 years old is just it's just absurd you know and so that's that is where we start it all just kind of develops or builds around just letting them play you know like it's the baseball version of wiffle ball just let them figure things out let them have fun you know don't steal the fun from it don't get too serious too early. Yeah, it's uh, obviously uh, we talked a little bit before we started. That's a major problem we're having today, and yeah. and not not just youth baseball, but youth sports. Period. Right? We're really not even yes. sports. Everything surrounding the youth of America today. Right? Uh, we want them to yep. excel in everything so early. We don't yes. want to allow it to take time to develop. Right? Um, so yes. if anyone sort of knows me, they'll know that I I can't absolutely cannot stand the word mechanics okay I, I just don't like the word mechanics um and one of the things that seems like everyone wants when they start off with baseball no matter what age is they want to start working on pitching mechanics pitching mechanics pitching mechanics and you were just hitting on that a little bit um and i and you can disagree with this if you like but i, I do want to open up a conversation here um i am a firm believer that it would actually benefit young kids to throw lighter objects like a tennis ball more than it would a baseball at a young age. I, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that. Um, and, I, and I don't mind having a back and forth on this if you, if you need more clarification on why I say that. Um, but I just want to get your thoughts on that. I, I go the other way. I feel like that it would benefit them to – It's well, it's not even the other way. I think they need to throw all things, sticks, rocks, whether they're lighter, heavier, you know, everything. You know, like, uh, so I don't disagree with you. I would just kind of add to it, you know, and be like, I, I really feel like <clears throat> throwing a baseball specifically is overrated, you know, but like the randomness and, and really sticks. I mean, honestly, st like that sounds so simple. And of course, I'm from Arkansas, so I want to say that, but like, uh, you know, because that, that just sounds like an Arkansas type of pick up some sticks and throw it. <laughs> but like, they like seriously throwing a stick, if you've ever seen somebody throw PVC pipe, it's kind of like a tennis racket. Like it cleans some, it will, it will do some really good mechanical work for your arm path. And, uh, you know, without, so having, I, I, without having to say a word, right? Exactly. And that's the goal. You know, like exactly. I don't want to tell them a word. I don't want them to even know we changed anything. I just want to put them in positions to succeed and keep my mouth shut. You know, that of course that doesn't sound like coaching to a lot of people. And so they don't really like that idea, but, it is what it is, you know, and, but yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And, uh, I just, like I said, I would just add to it and be like everything. I actually have heard Eugene Bleeker talk about, they have what they call bucket of crap drills and literally they will fill a bucket full of crap from around the gym and they will start throwing it. 
at the kids' throats. <laughs> no, and no, so, no, no. you know, I was like, man, that's pretty, that's pretty good, you know. Right, right, right. Hey, look, so I'm just going to just chime in here a little bit. One of the things that – one of the reasons I say to throw something like a tennis ball and, – and when I say tennis ball, I really just meant, like you just said, anything other than a baseball. But I, I do like the lighter implements. But we're, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, but one of the reasons being is that when, once kids get a baseball in their hands, they're so uh, ingrained. Like, they, they've been told everything is like, you have to throw strikes, throw strikes, throw strikes. So everything changes with a baseball. It becomes, let me just aim the thing to hit a target, right? And when they get the other implements, they're not thinking about a target anymore. They're just throwing the thing, right? It's just everything happens a little more freely, right? So that, that's one of the yes. big reasons why I'm such a fan of getting away from a baseball. Because it just seems like whenever we put a baseball in the hand, it becomes all about the, the, the end game, right? Like trying to throw a strike versus just throw the thing. Just throw the thing, yep. right? That's that's um, that's how I ended up going down the route with plyo balls long before I found driveline. I was actually going down that route with plyo balls, and then I stumbled across a podcast with Kyle Bodie, and that is that's where I was going with that. Was it was quick feedback? There wasn't like a huge emphasis on throwing strikes. It was just like throw it. You know, if there's a particular movement they want to focus on, they can get the ball back quick. They don't have to focus on catching the ball back from the from the receiver. You know. It just that was that was what I loved about it, you know. Same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So look, so coaches hear what we're talking about right now, right? A lot of youth coaches they hear that and they're like, oh, here they go again, right? They they don't care if kids yeah. throw strikes, and and that's not the point of what we're not talking true. about at all. They they miss it all. It's like so they couldn't be further from the truth when we say that, right? We want every kid to throw yeah, strikes. I, that just shouldn't be the yeah. focus, right? Um, so it, we're I shouldn't about, have to talk about that. Yeah, everybody knows that. Like if. You know, when people come at me about that, I'm like, that's like telling me that I've got if I tell you to go walk across the room, are you going to remind me that I need to breathe? No. So, like, look, that, you got to throw strikes. We all know that. You know? Exactly. <laughs> look, that's what I always that's my art. That's my argument has always been. That's baseball 101. Everyone knows yeah. that. Like, my, like, you don't have to talk about what's understood. Right. Like, everyone knows yeah. you're not any good if you don't throw strikes. We don't need to talk about that. Everybody understands that. Right. But when you yeah. keep saying that, hey, um, I, like just for example, like velocity doesn't matter. Of course it does. It doesn't doesn't yeah. mean that we want you to throw hard and not throw strikes. That, that's idiotic. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Right. Uh, yeah. So going back, you were talking about the lowest hanging fruit. So I want to backtrack a little bit more because you and I did talk a little bit about coaches pitch beforehand. Right. Um, so mm -hmm. I want to talk about um, just sort of building the motor so the trying to build the athlete early versus trying to build the skill of a baseball or softball or whatever of the particular sport about building a player versus building the athlete first so i get your thoughts on yeah. that um yeah i i feel like that is another one of those like you said the lowest hanging fruit that is just completely missed and i, I get it you know parents are paying for like they want to see stuff that looks like baseball and I, I get it, you know, but the thing about it is at that young age, the, the kids that, you know, you've got to be able to, it's, you know, general preparation, you know, and you want that kid, you don't want them to be good at baseball movements. You want them to be good at all movements. And then those baseball movements, quote unquote, which is not a very good term, but those, those movements that they make in a baseball game, 
will get that much better. You know, you don't want to limit because, you know, like you, you want them to be able to, to cover the scope of movement. You know, the kid that moves best usually wins, you know, like, or at least has the best chance to be better when I say wins, not necessarily on a scoreboard, but, you know, right. wins and development and things like that. Not to mention the fact that the, like, if you, if you are constantly trying to do things that look like baseball or softball, you're heading down the road for an overuse injury, you know, because a it's too much of the exact same stuff and nothing else. And B like you're, you're you've got to, you've got to, eh, what's the word? You've got to spend more time doing things outside of that scope. You've got to be prepared for it, you know? So uh, the, you know, like that's where we, with our, youth programs you know like we have three levels of our program here at EAP we have the foundations one program and we have foundations two and then we have our full program which is what our high school and college guys are on and girls nice uh the foundations one is just general like they have to learn how to do push-ups they have to learn how to do pull up the push-up by the way as a see I'm 50% strength coach 50% baseball guy so I have a unique even better things Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a very unique view on things. The push-up is the most butchered exercise on earth. And it, uh, I know that's crazy. It sounds crazy because everybody does them and that's the problem. <laughs> They're forced to do them so much and do so many of them. It's kind of a disaster. It's a train wreck. And so yep. we teach them how to do push-ups correctly, teach them what they need to do. They need to be able to do chin-ups. They've got to learn how to pick things up safely and how to hinge which you and i both hate that word when it comes to pitching but the hinge is you know heavily involved in the weight room uh yeah. but the they've got to learn how to squat which is how you land efficiently and you know there's a lot of kids that you know uh i'm not saying they have to have a heavy squat but you know and even in our volleyball population you know we've uh kind of fallen into a, a large volleyball population around here and you know a lot of those girls they've been doing jump training their whole life and you watch them when they land, they have no idea how to land and, Oof, or they don't have the physical, physical capability to land. And that's yep. the same thing with the young kids with the baseball players, you know, and so they've got to learn how to land before they can jump. And that's, you know, that type of stuff is how you, there is no injury prevention, but there is, you know, efforts to try to prevent injury. And that is a very good way to go about that. You know, the, the ACL and the volleyball girls is, is the Tommy John of the volleyball world, you know, and, absolutely. Uh, that's a way that you kind of go about is teaching them how to, is, is not teaching them how to prevent it, but giving them the strength to be able to withstand the damage that they're going to do on a daily basis and practicing games. But that's getting a little bit off topic, but anyways, the, no, like perfect. I said, basically, I just want to look at, I, when I look at each athlete that walks in the door, I want to, I look at them. And I say, all right, their strength bucket is basically empty, that metaphorical bucket, you know, so we've got to fill that and we just start filling buckets, you know, like if there's one bucket that's got a lot of a lot in it, you know, we don't necessarily go after that bucket as much. We want to kind of get the rest of the buckets up to speed. And then later on in their development, that's when we start focusing on the buckets that are naturally getting full. And we will really go after those to make them elite at that instead of trying to fill other buckets, you know, but you want to make sure each bucket has some, some liquid in it, if that makes sense or some, some yeah, content. No, absolutely. Yeah. So look, so I mean, I, I think it sort of all goes back to um, we want, we want people to move well and it's hard to be a really good mover without a prerequisite prerequisite of strength. Right. Um, 
Yes. So we want people to move well first before we even get so caught up on how skilled they are at a given sport, right? So we're going we're gonna to transition this into like travel ball today, right? So we, we have a huge focus on specializing and getting into the world of travel ball at a younger ages today. And parents see that the kids are getting better at the sport when they get into travel ball, right? Um, and so they, they get caught up in it, right? And I completely understand that. Once you get into travel ball and you're doing something as much as they're practicing and playing today, right? You're going to get better at the skill of that individual game you're playing. Like no one's going to deny that, right? Like that's how it's going right, to work. Yeah. So if you're, if you're a young kid and you start to focus so much time on baseball or softball, you're going to get better at baseball and softball, right? At the nope. young ages, nope. it doesn't mean that you're setting yourself up for a better future within that sport, right? Because eventually, right. in a sport like baseball, you've got to make that transition from the small field to the big field. Um, and yep. what I've told people, and you know, this is what I'll continue to tell people, is that small field is just for show. The big field is when you're going to find out what kind of ball player you are. And when you get to, when yep. you get to that big field, you, you can't just be a skilled baseball player anymore. You've got to, be, you've got to have some athleticism to you or you're going to get eaten alive on that big field. Um, so I just want yep. you to touch on that a little bit. Give us your thoughts on that. Well, it's actually a good metaphor or however you want to look at it. You know, I, I always say, and I, I just don't feel like I explain this very well because I still get kind of crickets back when people look at me or, or maybe they're processing it or whatever. But uh, when you are, when you practice a skill and at your, at a, a low strength level, basically, or a low general athleticism level, if you want to call it that, however you want to, whatever you want to label it, you are getting good only being as good as you are, if that makes sense. You know, yep. on that small field, you are getting good at playing baseball on that small field. And it will look right. good while you're on that small field. The problem is it kind of limits, it, it sets the ceiling a little too low, which, I mean, it's not a permanent ceiling necessarily. Uh, you know, if, if, if the kid doesn't, if the kid will, you know, do the right things later on but like say you go from that small field and get on the big field and this is where a lot of teenagers just can't get them to understand this very well they will sit there and they will they will try so hard to get better at at their whether it's pitching or hitting by just doing the same things over and over and over and over again and I always use the the analogy I like look if I want my truck to drive 100 miles an hour. I want it to be able to drive 100 miles per hour, but it only goes 80 right now. And so I get out here on Interstate 30 every single day and I redline it all the way there to 80 and I drive it just like the wheels are falling off of it, gritting my teeth. And I want this thing to go 100 so bad. I can't stand it. I need it to drive 100 miles an hour so bad. It will never, ever drive more than 80 miles an hour. In fact, huh. if I keep doing that, it's going to start driving less than 80 miles an hour. I've got to go get a bigger engine to put right. in the no, truck. Absolutely. And that engine is what we're talking about now, right? So yes. There, there, yes. there's a real path of least resistance going on, right? So when we're playing on this yep. little field, we learn quick that if I throw the ball over the plate as a pitcher, I'm probably going to have success. If I can just put balls in play as a hitter, I'm going to have success. And what happens is the body adapts to, to meet those demands that we're placing on it, right, to, to meet that goal that we're trying to get, right, to get to first base before they throw us out, right? So our body adapts to swing in a way that promotes soft contact to get on base, 
or it promotes a path to just throw strikes, right? And then as we get going, what you're talking about now, we just don't have the capability of going more than that 80 miles per hour on, on the highway there. It's just not going to happen yeah. no matter how hard we get, try. Get on the big field and throw that little soft, weak fastball over the middle of the plate and see what happens. You're going to right, run real yeah. quick. You know? Of course. Yep. No, exactly. 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 Um, <laughs> like it don't, so, it doesn't play anymore. <laughs> no, right. No, exactly. Um, so now we did talk, you hit on a topic a while ago that I want to transition to. Um, and then we'll probably, uh, we'll probably go to one more, one more topic for today and we'll pick back up at a later date. But I want to, I want to, I want to touch on this. You, you mentioned the word hinge and we both said before, and you mentioned it now that we don't like that word but it's a huge buzzword in the pitch and mechanics world today. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And the reason I hate it. And I think the reason you hate it is because it doesn't resonate well with the athletes. Right. It sounds cool. Yep. We're talking on Twitter, right? That's what it sounds cool for, yep. but it doesn't work in the real world very well. Um, and, and that's not to hate on the word hinge and people that use it. That's not what it's meant to do. Just a lot of these buzzwords are the same way. A lot of times we're just trying to keep up with what's popular in our industry. Right. And we try to relay that back to our athletes and it doesn't resonate with them. Um, so let's talk about this hinge because it, it is something that gets misunderstood a lot. Um, let's talk about what it is and how you, how important you feel that is when you're working with pitching mechanics. We're going to talk about actual pitching mechanics here with this. Go ahead. Okay. Well, first off, I, I wanted to say like I had to use the word hinge at first and my, the way that I figured things out is to mess them up. And so when I would right. use the word hinge, I don't think I would have ever developed a better system had I not gotten the looks back from the athlete like I had three heads when I would use the word hinge, you know. And, I mean, it is technically a hinge, but, you know, when you think of a hinge, you think of a deadlift, both feet are on the ground, you're standing straight up, there's no twisting, your pelvis, if any of your, your nipples are pointed in a different direction than your belt buckle, then, you know, something has gone drastically bad. You know, but right. that's what's going on with the pitching delivery. So it's very confusing. And, you know, you got to remember sometimes that teenage athletes do not sit around and talk about this stuff all day, every day, like we do, you know. And so they're just like, right. what? You know, like they just can't see it, you know. Right. So, and, and just, just it, to clarify, when we're talking about a hinge, we're talking about from the hip, correct? Yes. Yeah. Like it, the hips are a door hinge, basically, there you go. is what uh, is the way I describe it, you know, like or, or a suitcase, you know, like nipples to knees is, is basically what we're talking about with a hinge, which right. is a, a hip hinge is what is performed when a deadlift is performed properly. Um, that right. is called a hip hinge. And so that's where that word came from. And, and I mean, it's it's not wrong. It's just it's just not the best way to get high school you know, athletes to really, when you're trying to show them, tell them what to do, it's just not the best word to use, which honestly, I haven't found a great word to use. It, it's, it's more like, it's why I'm not a big fan of verbal instruction to begin with. You know, there's just more of, uh, you have to get with each athlete and kind of watch their facial expressions and see what turns that light bulb on. And some of them, it, it helps to use, you know, certain tools, you know, to a lot of times I'll take a, broomstick and I'll stick it up against the back of their back leg and be like hey I need you to like get your butt cheek behind your heel while keeping your knee against that broomstick right there the outside of your rear leg you know while you're traveling down the mound with your lead leg you know and that's how I'll kind of trick them into quote hinging you know is one of the you know the quick ways that I'll do that you know and uh 
that type of stuff is what I've found. I really haven't found a word to replace hinge yet. It's just, you know, I kind of get, I kind of get silly looks back regardless of what word I try to use when I describe it. So I usually just get a tool or something and work from there. <laughs> right. No, I got you. So I'll, t- I'll tell you what I, what I do with the athletes here. Um, I, I'm not saying this work with everybody, of course. Um, but one right. of the big things that we were taught growing up was athletic position, right? You know, the old athletic position. Yep. So what I've told kids is, Hey, get an athletic position. Okay. Like you're going to guard me playing basketball, soccer, whatever. Like you're going to do a shuffle, right? Cool. Now lift one leg in the air without moving. Right. Okay, cool. Now use that to ride down the mound. That's, that's what we're trying to that's do. Pretty good. That's all that's we're trying good. to do. Athletic position yeah. on one leg, move down the mound. That's so, and, 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 and that, then, that sort of makes more sense to the athletes um, than trying to throw, hey, you got a hinge. Hey, you yeah. got to, um, you know, you got to keep one leg here and get your hips up underneath or get your chest in front of your hips here. It, that stuff just to me with the athletes just doesn't resonate well at all. Um, so I'm, I really, really like that one. And I'm a big fan of some type of proprioception, some type of something for them to perceive, whether it's, like I said, putting that, that broomstick on the backside of their knee for them to feel and giving them one task that kind of leads them into that path without them even being aware of it necessarily, you know, just giving them simple goals to accomplish. Like you just said, Hey, get, you know, get in an athletic position now, pick up one foot, ride it down, you know, totally take pitching almost like almost take it out of it, you know, and just be like, Hey, this is what we're doing you know, to create that feel, uh, I have, uh, when I'm depending on how, what the athlete needs to get better at, you know, there's some of them that I feel like I can kind of focus more. I found some of them, it's better to not even talk about the rear leg and just get them, if I can get them to lead, if I can get them to lock their lead leg out and kind of keep it closed off, you know, not quote flying open, which I'm not wild about that term either, but, uh, it, but it is what it is. Like, that's what happens. I've actually, I've actually taken Sharpie markers and drawn on the inside of their, of their leg, you know, and been like, Hey, uh, like if it's a right-handed pitcher, um, I'll take a Sharpie marker. And I, my wife jokes because I usually write it on my leg too, just so I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to do this. So she's like, you just, you just like forever. I'm going to have a, a circle on the inside of your thigh, but, but rather like on the inside of my knee, but I'll draw a circle on the inside of their lead leg. And I'll yep. be like, look, all right, pr- that's an eyeball. All right. Pretend that's an eyeball. Now let's watch your video. And I want you to look and see where that, what that eyeball is looking at when we, when we are looking at your video, you know, all right. So tell me what it's looking at. They, you can kind of see the light bulb go off and I'm like, okay, now let's go over here or I'll show them some video of some lower half mechanics that I really like. We have this one kid that has just beautiful lower half mechanics. I'll usually go to his and I'll be like, okay, now look at his quote eyeball on the inside of his lead leg. All right. Now you see what I'm talking about. Now let's go over here and see if we can't give that eyeball a better look at the, at the dirt on the mound, you know, before, you know, this or that, you know, and I'll just kind of go from there, uh, which I mean, when you're just saying that out loud and we're not looking at a video, some people might be like, what is he talking about? But, if you, <laughs> right, see what right. I, you know, if you, if I show no, it, I to you, it. it would make sense, but yeah, I know, yeah. you know, but like just, you know, people hearing that would be like, what is this guy talking? but the, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that I love that outside cue you know that external cue of and it's just something so weird that it kind of takes their uh heightened sense of you know it just takes the sometimes you just have to take the baseball stuff out you know 
and just get them Absolutely. so on something else and make them feel that field where you can be like, okay, now just correct this, get a little more weight in your heel while you're doing that. And there you go. And, and, you know, uh, I've just, I've had a lot of success with that cue. That's uh, yeah. That's so, so look, that, that, that's a perfect segue to this last topic we're going to hit on today. And that is that within youth baseball today, um, we have such a fear of failure culture, uh, fear of failure mindset within how we're trying to do things with any sport, but we're talking about baseball here, right? Where these kids are just so caught up on what happens if I don't throw a strike or what happens if I don't make this play perfect, right? So how, when we're talking about pitchers, how do we get them or how do you go about getting them out of that fear of failure mindset when they're trying to work on certain things with it, um, inside your building? Inside of my building, it's easy. The problem is, and I mean, honestly, what's created that, and I'm sorry if I step on toes, like it's the coaches yelling from the dugout. Like that's what's created that. The kids are not scared to fail if nobody's yelling at them. And, and the know, parents. And let's let's make sure we add And the parents. Parent, I'm sorry. Actually, it's, it is the parents. I'm sorry. Sorry, coaches. Sorry, coaches. The parents are just It's, it's coaches yes, too. You know. It's coaches too, but yeah, coaches just, and parents. You know, yeah, like – the throw strikes and all that. I mean, baseball, you know, when you're in, when you play football and a quarterback throws a pick or you drop an intercept or drop a pass or whatever, it's so fast and, and you've got to get back over there to the huddle or wherever. And it just, it's gone, you know, but with baseball, there's so much downtime in between. And when you screw something up and people are yelling at you, you feel like, you know, the world is collapsing in on you. And then at that age, you know, the youth baseball age, they're just not emotionally ready to handle that type of stuff. And then to have everybody yelling at them, tell them, you know, it just, they, they feel like they, that people hate them, you know? So in here, when we're inside our walls, I'm like, look, we're on the same team. And I use that phrase a lot. You know, I'm like, we're on the exact same team. Nobody in here is going to yell at you. Nobody in here is going to make you feel stupid. I screw stuff up more in this building than anybody else will ever. You could come in here and screw stuff up every single day and you would never reach the level of screw up in this that I have. So don't worry about that. And so I always tell the kids that, you know, right off the bat, I make that very, very clear with the younger guys. And that usually gets a lot of buy-in, you know, for them, uh, you know, moving forward for them to throw and, and just relax and try to get better at what they do, you know? So. So what do we do here to, to help these kids, um, when it comes outside of our walls, um, how do they take this whole idea of don't have this fear of failure, don't be so caught up on the results now, trust the process, right, when they're out there in games with their coaches and um, their teammates and their parents and the other parents are all sort of judging their every move? That is a $500 what can be done? question. What can we do? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I know it. My first thought is – I get, you know, try to get them to understand that the heat of the moment, they've got to learn to lock it out, but that is way easier said than done. Um, Absolutely. You know, that's, that is something that I think about a lot and I don't have the perfect answer for it just yet, you know, uh, but I think building confidence in here, helping them to, you know, like when they, when we, when we throw bullpens in here, I really don't like, even though they're going to pout about it, I really don't like for them to throw to a catcher, you know, because a catcher makes them feel better about what they're doing. You know, like we, hey, we absolutely. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, you tell me, I, I want, 
you know, we have one of those, I call it a command mat. I don't know the, I don't know the brand of it, but I'm like, I want to know the exact square you're throwing to. If, if they're old enough to be throwing different pitches, I'm like, I want to know the pitch you're throwing. You need to verbally state it to me or like the other coach and be like, you know, then I don't, you don't have to tell me we're not, it doesn't matter if you miss, I just need you to make an adjustment. You know, I need you to learn from it, you know, and that way they can kind of learn how to self coach and like that out on the mound. And we can kind of watch for things and little cues. We have one kid that something he's, well, he's going to be really good, but every now and then he'll, he'll get a little, you know, his, his command gets a little bit uh, away from him. And we've noticed that like when he stays linear with his lower body, everything sinks up, you know, but he'll just, he just reverts. And, and, you know, when we're, when we're in here throwing bullpens and stuff, me and we're just constantly like, Hey, get linear, linear. Do you remember the name, the meaning of the word linear? You've got to remember that word with your lower half. And when he's focusing on that, everything sinks up, you know? And so that type of stuff, just giving them little cue words, cue, you know, little keys to focus on to keep them, you know, that they can be like, okay, and lock back in on that and kind of mentally take themselves back to here, you know, I believe is the start of that process, but definitely haven't perfected it yet. Yeah, no, I mean, look, man, this is awesome. Um, you know, you just sort of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, it's, it's really about trying to empower these athletes to be their own best coaches, right? Um, I have a lot of people that sort of, you know, when they come in, they want me to nitpick their every single throw. And I'm like, look, I'm not doing that. I've, I've told you the things you need to think about, right? You need to learn how to make adjustments for yourself because at the end of the day, yes, I can give you these little cues here and there. At the end of the day, when you get out there on the mound, you're out there on the island all by yourself, right? You, you, can't, you can't be ready to look over to your coach or to call me up and ask for these adjustments, right? You've got to figure out how to make those adjustments on the fly, and you're not going to ever do that if I'm telling you what to do on your, every single pitch you throw inside this building. You know what you need to do. Exactly. We talked about it. Go make the adjustments when you're in here, or you'll never make them in the game. And that's just sort of as simple as the stuff's going to be. Um, I, I know a lot of parents, like, they think if we just invest more time and money into our kids, like they're, they're going to see the fruits of all that. Right. But at the end of the day, at the end of it all, you will never will, or you will never, uh, you will never, uh, what am I trying to say here? Um, it is going to be up to the athletes to determine for themselves whether or not they want to be great. Right. Like you're never going to instill that in them. It comes down to right. their willingness to be great. And they really want this you can't, or not. You can't upload that. You know, your, your want for it, you can't, you can't up or download it to them, you know, like they've got to figure it out. And I, like you touched on right there, I mean, I get it, honestly, I really do feel like even maybe subconsciously when the parents pay for help or a lesson or whatever, they want to see a lot of interaction because they want to get their money's worth. And I get that it's expensive, you know, to do Absolutely. a lesson. And so I get that, you know, but it's, it's kind of like, it, it sucks because the ones that are willing to do those lessons and sit on a bucket and, and critique the kid for 30 minutes you know like they it sucks because the parent feels like they got more money but they honestly you know it may or may not have gone that well technically and then maybe that kid it that kid he might in that lesson please the coach's eyes everything went well but he's not gonna he's probably gonna revert back to what he was doing when he gets out there in a the game full of yep. you know and no so, absolutely absolutely uh, look i, I, I tell the kids all, go ahead sir no, I just said it just sucks. It's just a sucky situation the way it is because I, I get the parents just want the best for their kids, you know. No, absolutely. So no no fault there. Gross. 
it's hard. Yeah, no yeah. fault there. But the the one it's thing I would, I'm, yeah, the one thing I would tell everyone is the best thing I can do for your kid is for them not to need me anymore. Like that, exactly. that, that's what it all comes down to is when they don't need me. Now I want them to still want to come in here, right? But for them yes. not to need yes. me. The the best times I when I'm doing things the absolute best is when kids come in and I don't actually even say a word. Yep. When I don't have to say yep. a word all night, that's that's the best training environment there is. And I know it yep. looks that's like there's I, no coaching yeah. going on, right? It looks like there's absolutely exactly. nothing going on. Um, but that's the best. When it gets to that level, I always things are clicking on all cylinders. Yep. I'm like, other than exchanging pleasantries, technically he could come in here and I, I actually encourage them to wear their ear, their their earbuds. I'm like, lock in. You know, if I need to talk to you, I'll point to my ear. You know, yep. uh, I want you to lock in and I want you to focus on every single rep. So, you know, like uh, if it looks like we're not coaching, like just trust me, like we're watching. If we're not coaching, that means they're doing what they need to be doing. You know, absolutely, so, absolutely. Uh, I always kind of fire that warning shot on the front. Yep, no, absolutely. All right, well, we're going to wrap this up, but we're going to get you back on. We got a lot more to talk about, uh, but we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, so we'll stop now, and I appreciate you coming on, but you'll be back on here soon enough. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, man, just say the word. All right, sounds good. All right, well, that'll conclude this one. Thanks for watching the Mazingo Baseball Podcast. Need y'all to do me a favor. Go follow me on my social media accounts. It's going to be Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And all of them are going to be at Mazingo Baseball. That's at Mazingo Baseball, okay? Go out and check out the website, MazingoBaseball.com. And do me a huge favor and check out the e-guide I wrote called Young Guns. You won't be disappointed. Um, it's all about developing youth baseball pitchers. And we cover almost everything in there. It comes with supplemental um, video content. I think right now we're at about 50 videos strong and still adding on to that. Okay. You don't want to miss out on that. All right. So go check those things out.